Back in episode one, I asked you to come along with me as I track down my stories. I thought it would be easier if I had some people doing it with me. If I was developing a class on this topic, I guess my first step would be to write up a syllabus or a lesson plan. As you may have noticed, I didn't do that. And to be honest, I've kind of been all over the place. We started out by putting together our memory journals. So that was good. We needed those to get started. But after that, we've been looking at a lot of different areas. We worked on some lists. We've looked at everyday things. We even stopped to take a look at the pandemic that we're all going through right now. Episode 9 was literally strange and bizarre. I kind of feel like I need to give you an explanation of how this process has been working. The You Have Stories podcast comes out every Wednesday. Generally, the topic I'm covering is what I have been working on for the past week. Most of the time, I'm just barely a few steps ahead of you as we hunt down our stories. So that brings us to this week. Almost by accident, I found an old, unlabeled cassette tape while I was cleaning out some boxes. The only reason I didn't throw it away was because the tabs were gone. Audio cassettes were invented back in 1962 and became available in the U.S. late in 1964. The popular audio recording format lasted for almost 40 years. The production of cassette tape ended in 2003. I grew up playing with cassette recorders. I loved recording audio. Here's a little known fact. As part of a safety feature, on the back edge of cassettes, there are two tabs that can be removed. When these tabs are gone, you can no longer record on the tape. Whenever you bought a pre-recorded cassette, the tabs were always missing. This protected the music from being erased. The cassette I found had both of the tabs removed. I thought there must be something of value on this tape or I would not have removed those tabs. I pulled out an old cassette player and popped in the tape. It was a recording that my wife Lonnie and I had made back in 1991 with her parents, Gerald and Marion. I was immediately transported back in time. A relative had been working on the family genealogy. It was really just a lot of names and dates, no stories. We wanted to know who all these people were. So the four of us sat down at the kitchen table and we started asking questions. Both Lonnie and I were taking notes as her parents talked. I apologize for the sound quality, but the recording was never intended to be listened to. We made it to help us in the note-taking process in case we missed something. We talked for almost two hours that night, and it's all on tape. You can hear our children and the dog playing in the background. At the time, our kids were two, five, and eight. They are all in their 30s now. Our son Mark has two kids of his own. Several times during this recording, I can hear the water running in the kitchen sink and even the microwave being turned on. Lonnie's father passed away on December 2nd, 1995. Hearing his voice after 25 years was a pretty emotional experience. I want to play you a clip from this recording. I've done a little bit of editing to clean up the audio, 
but it is pretty much how the conversation went that evening 30 years ago. This is Lonnie's father telling us about growing up on the farm. At the end, you'll hear our kids playing and getting ready for bed. I think that might be my favorite part. What's the date today? It's October... 7th. It's Monday, October 7th, 1991. Family tree. Family tree, there you go. Yeah. Did everybody grow up on the farm? Yeah, they all, they all grew up on the farm. I was born in town, but they moved right out to the farm right, right away, see, because they figured, boy, this, this kid is no good for a town. How long did they have a farm? Well, they, uh, they, my dad uh, used to work by, uh, by the month for farmers, and then he got to, when they came out with his government loan, I gave him a start, he borrowed, got money there, then he had his own uh, personal property, see. But he never owned a farm, but he farmed all my life, you know, up until he retired. Mm -hmm. and, the, and he, he just about, he could have bought a farm, in fact, us kids told him to buy it, but mother wouldn't let him do that, which was very, very silly at the time because he was renting this farm, and he was giving half of the profit to the renter, or the owner, and the owner wanted him to buy it, and he didn't have to put any money down. All he had to do was just, his share would go towards the purchase of the rent. Mother wouldn't do it. She was scared. He'd lose it. And yet he was giving it to him anyway. Because this fellow had owned the farm, they, he inherited from his folks, and he didn't want the responsibility no more. All he wanted somebody, they get together on a uh, price, and he just paid dad off every month, when he, every year when he sold the, the crops and stuff like that, mm -hmm. see, which would have been an ideal situation, but the mother wouldn't go for it. She was so afraid that he would lose everything they had. Mm -hmm. That's many. That's many. And being so scared of losing everything they had, they never did have anything. See, when he sold out, after he had his heart attack, when he sold out, he had enough money to buy that old house in Chatfield, and that's where they lived. And then he lived on their Social Security. And then Mallory and Mallory lived with them. <coughs> so did they live in town then before Grandma had a stroke? Yeah. So Grandpa had a heart attack, that's why they... Yeah, he had, a, he had the heart attack out on the farm, see. Okay. And uh, uh, he, he come to think about it, he had a heart attack like I had. All of a sudden, he couldn't get his breath. See? Now, do you remember that now after you've had yours? Well, I just happen to think of it now. See? Yeah. Because I come home and and uh, he was laying in bed and he kind of got up and uh, you know he said I I guess I or something about the mother said he, he had a heart attack or something like that. He said yeah. I said I can't even smoke my pipe. He was bothering me to smoke my pipe. To pop on my pipes, you know. So he never had no pain. How old were you when this happened? It was after we married. Uh, we came home and that's when Well, we... I would say it was probably before Lonnie was born. Yeah. Hmm? I think she, they moved into town about the time she was born, or just before she was born. Your father was a pipe smoker? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As long as you can remember? As long as I can remember it, and he chewed uh, no. no what's called spark plug. And I can never forget that because when we were... That's true. That was the one that was in the car. Yeah, when we were up in Walker, Minnesota, we... It was a neighbor to us, a young couple. They had, you know, a couple of kids there, but uh, they were good neighbors. But he was an engineer on the railroad, see. But she was, you know, a 
an excellent mother, I suppose, a little bit too good of a mother, in a sense. And I was talking with him, seeing she happened to be listening, you know, and I said, well, Dad, Dad always chewed spark plugs. She had a spark plug? She said, weren't they kind of hard? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of chuckled a little bit, and then it, uh, it, her husband said, well, no, these are the spark plugs for cars, you know, I mean, yeah. this was a tobacco called spark Oh, she said, you know, it is. Yeah, how can you keep them? <laughs> <laughs> but she was sincere. Yeah. What other things about your dad do you remember? Well, he was a, he was a hard worker, but he'd give you the shirt off his back. That was one of his downfalls. That's because I, you know, I realized that, that like Elmer and Marion's dad would do the same thing. But he came first. If he had everything situated for him, then he'd give you his shirt. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't give you his shirt until he did. Where my dad would just give you his shirt and then he'd go without. See, that's about yeah. the way my dad was. The difference between the two. So he was too easy going. Never get mad. You know, I never seen him. Uh, Cuss or you know really mm -hmm. let off a uh, loud slanderous uh, bell ring you know of any kind like that. And the only time I ever heard him whistle was shortly after he got the loan and started to farm on his own. I'd catch him whistling once in a while. Otherwise, it was just like every word was five dollars. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to spend any more than I had to. He's very yeah very quiet. You know. How about Grandma? Well, Grandma, she could talk. She was good at talking, you know. She what they'd call a spitfire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard it. See, uh, she would get her dander up a lot quicker than, than Dad would. If I, on Marion's side, now, I think her dad would. Wouldn't she? Wouldn't he? No, I can't remember this part. I my dad. Well, she would be, you know. Mom would come right off. She'd come unglued. It'd take quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But when she did, she really, Dad was very quiet. Yeah, see, where my dad was too, a very... Well, he, before to start anything, he'd rather just stay be quiet. Too. I mean, Dad stuck up for his rights, and nobody pushed him around. Yeah. What kind of crops did you have, or what did you raise on the farm? Well, it was a dairy farm. So it was milking cows, and then whatever it took to feed them, basically grains, you know, oats and... Uh, usually oats and corn, and then you, you always had a, a soybean crop, which was a, what you call a cash crop, or flax, which is a cash crop, which you'd sell in the fall for cash. How many head? Oh, my folks, I suppose the most they ever milk was probably 20 in that neighborhood by hand. They did all their milking pretty much by hand. See, now on her side again, see, they had the milking machine, and, you know, right now Howard, what do you milk, 50? 50 and 60. 50 and 60. So they'd milk the cows in the morning by hand. By hand. Then what would what would happen to the milk? <coughs> it would be uh, put into cans in the cooler. You know, and uh, well, when I was a kid, they'd hang it in the in a tank. Warehouse. Warehouse. It was cool, see. Later years, it went into a uh, milk truck would come and pick it up. Now, when you say well house, what is that? A little little shack on top of the well? Well, it, it was a uh, like on Burdick's is the one I can remember is where the windmill pumped the water and, and, and ran it into this wood tank in this well house, and from there the overflow went on out to the stock tank, and it was that water that they hung 
Okay, so this would be cold, cold well water. Yeah, cold, cold well water. water. Yeah. That's what's cooled everything, see? Okay. And of course, you have to remember now, when my dad, when I was a kid, you sold the cream. You didn't sell the milk. So you had a hand separator. And this separator, would you run this milk through the separator right after you got through milking, and it would separate the cream from the milk. And you only kept the cream, you cooled the cream, and uh, that's what you sold. The milk you held, you fed to the hogs or... So milk wasn't valuable, as you were going for the cream. We were going for the cream, see? To make oh. ice cream and butter. And that's what they're... Yeah, and cheese, see, I suppose. And, see, and that's what they're doing basically now, but they buy the whole thing, see? And then they use the waste. Before, we had what we called whey. And that you would feed to the... Pigs. You know, like... Uh, we up at Byron, we deliver... Yeah. I run the, run the delivery deal for Alfred King every time I stayed up there. He had a... Uh, rubber-tired wagon and the Timo horses, and I'd go and pick up the milk and deliver it to the cheese factory, and in turn I'd fill the empty cans up with whey and come back with them and drop them off at the different neighbors. Thing. And uh, that's when they started selling milk directly. So, Did you do everything with horses? Everything was done with horses when I was a kid. How many did you have? Well, uh, on verdict uh, on there, they must have had probably well, it took five for on the gang, so I told they probably had uh, maybe eight horses, all told. All right, no. And when Dad started out, he had one team. Huh. Two horses, one team? Yeah, one team of horses. I see. But, uh, okay, did you always have electricity on the farm? No, we lived on a farm. Let's see. Uh, I can remember living on uh, without any electricity. Uh, we had oil lamps, kerosene, you know. I remember going to the, la the barn with a lantern when I was a kid. The first electricity we had, we moved on to a farm that had its own uh, uh, electric plant and it had 32 watt was the, the strength of it. Well, it had a generator? Yeah. What, off the windmill? No, it had batteries. Huh. It had a gas engine and then run a generator to charge the batteries in the basement of the house. And, and you bought 32 watt light bulbs. That was it. There was no pretty dim. Watt. Yeah. Well, there was. Well, they were dim, but they were brighter than the oil lamps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can remember when the folks first got their Rochester burner lantern or lamp. Jeepers, we thought that was tremendous. It was like a lamp. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Had a mantle in it. And uh, no, this had a round wick, I think. Didn't it have a mantle? <coughs> well, this one we had had a round wick like that. So then it had a bigger flame then. Yeah, it's all the way around there. Aladdin had a had the, the little bags hanging. Mm -hmm. yeah. How about running water and uh, toilets? What's that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Grandpa Grandpa didn't have that until he moved to town. My folks. So did you have a pump in the house? Did they have a well in the house so you could pump in the kitchen, or did you have to go out and get buckets of water? water in? We might have a cistern pump in here where rainwater would go into a a tank and then you could pump that, but for drinking water you ca you carried that in. Where'd you have to go for that? You had a well out in the backyard? Well, well, windmill. Someplace on the... Usually every place had a windmill. Okay, let's talk about the two-holer. What was the outhouse like? Two-holer? <laughs> <laughs> Cold, Cold water time. <laughs> very drafty. Always had the... Sears Robot Sears Robot Catalog out there. And, uh, robot Catalog. <laughs> It was cold, you know, and uh, if you were sick, they had what they called a, a chamber pot. 
Well, yeah. Come on. Come on, that's right. I'll go say condominium pot. <laughs> Come on, pot. And that you carried up, you know, you had to, by your bed, if you had something like uh, a diarrhea or something like that, where and you'd use that. But it would be up to you to empty it, too. You know, unless you were way too thick, sick to do mm -hmm. that. Did the outhouse move around the property? Or was it always in the same spot? Well, it would be moved uh, once in a while, you know, but not too far. You know, if it Because it always tried to be fairly close to the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, you just, uh, you know, when you look back, it isn't too many years ago. No. no? See, even at your, uh, you know, we look back, too, and look at how it's come since we were kids. And look at how it's been since you were kids. You never even thought about putting a fan in your room in a hot summer bed. Did you have screens on the windows? We always did. Yeah, as far as I know, we always did too. Mm -hmm. How big was the house? Well, you were pretty good sized houses where we lived. You had six kids mm -hmm. in the house. Do you, uh, in every house we had had quite a, you know, it was pretty close. slept with who? who well, uh, like I, uh, I can remember uh, on Verdicts, uh, it was a big bedroom, and I Mount Norman and I slept together, and Elred and Mallory slept together. So you had two beds in the wrong room? Two full size beds in the room, see? in that one room and then uh, folks slept across the hall from us and then there was another was it I upstairs have, yeah i might have gotten these got these kind of mixed up too now because it seemed like there was two other rooms well you still had lois and Bonnie. no i had a target and those mixed up but uh, i remember the one time that we us four boys slept in one room and across the hall was mom and dad but i can't remember what house it was on then I remember up on uh, Borgens, Brogan, on Brogan's, I had a room, Donnie had a room, and and I think Mallory had a room. The Eldred was... Uh, Eldred lived in town, Willis was married. Mm -hmm. Did you always have a car or a vehicle? Uh, first, uh, I remember that we, my dad had a, an old uh, Chevy, I think a touring car with the top coming down. <coughs> and he traded that for a, a Chevy two-door, but it was boxy type thing. And uh, I would go up on blocks, what we call blocks in the winter. In other words, when uh, snow started to fly, it would be put in the garage and left there until spring. And we'd go every, wherever we went, we went by team and spray. Or... How many uh, sleds and wagons and things like that did you have? Well, I imagine they usually have one or two sleighs and one or two wagons, you know, back then. <coughs> More so as you got, you know, when you got tractors and stuff, you know. And, uh, Who's on the phone, Laura? Who's on the phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Laura's here. Mark. Get out of there. Yeah. Here she is. Here. Wiggle. The reason I played this clip for you is to demonstrate the power of a recording. This opens up some new possibilities for our storytelling process.
Hearing a person's voice telling their story can be powerful, especially after they're gone. We're going to dig a little deeper into this topic over the next few episodes. Here's your question for the week. What is the best investment you ever made in yourself? We'll see you next time on You Have Stories. 